The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. This morning we're beginning our Preaching from the Poets series. We did this last year and got a lot of positive uh, comments and feedback, and people wanted it again, so we're going to do this for a few weeks. And this morning, we're going to begin with a song uh, that some of you may know. Um, we're looking at, at popular songs and, and the spiritual message behind them. Uh, we know that the Apostle Paul did this in Acts 17 when he was preaching to the people in Athens. Um, some of the things that, that he did is he, he looked at the poets that um, the people were familiar with, and, and he drew lessons from those poets and spoke to the people. Um, because it's a popular song, it may not be current. Um, that's true of today. We're going to be looking at A Satisfied Mind that was written by two songwriters from Texas. Uh, one of those was Red Hayes, and he was a fiddle player. And he said that he was inspired to write this song by things that his mother used to say. And so these little bits of wisdom were the inspiration behind the song. Now, it first became a hit in 1955 when Porter Wagner recorded it, and the song went all the way to number one. Now, there have been many songs recorded over the years that were hits, sometimes big hits, uh, but are virtually unknown today. Uh, people enjoy them for a little while, but then they are forgotten. This is not the case with a satisfied mind. There are not many years since it was first recorded in 1955 that someone hasn't come along and released another version of it. It is a song that transcends genre. It has been recorded by country, folk, jazz, and rock artists, people such as Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Ella Fitzgerald, Joan Baez, and Chris Cornell have all covered it. Bob Dylan liked it so much that he recorded a version in 1967 and another one in 1980. And the song continues to be recorded by artists even up to today. Now, when a song is able to touch people from different generations and, and different musical backgrounds, there must be something special about it. Not many songs enjoy the longevity that a satisfied mind has enjoyed. And I believe it has been so successful because it is a song that is true. And it is a song that touches on spiritual elements. And so everyone is religious, whether they know it or not. We are all drawn to the things of God. And there are times when a person may be seeking after the ways of God and not even know it. In Acts 17 and verse 28, Paul drew the people of Athens' attention to pagan poets who were pointing the way to God, even though they had no idea that was what they were doing. And so sometimes a song or a book, or a movie can do this, and I believe that this is what we see with a satisfied mind. So I want to begin this morning with just taking a look at some of the lyrics. How many times have you heard someone say, if I had his money, I could do things my way, but little they know that it's so hard to find one rich man in ten with a satisfied mind. Once I was waiting in fortune and fame, Everything that I dreamed for to get a start in life's game. But suddenly it happened. I lost every dime. 
but I'm richer by far with a satisfied mind. Money can't buy back your youth when you're old, or a friend when you're lonely, or love that's grown cold. The wealthiest person is a pauper at times, compared to the man with a satisfied mind. When life has ended, my time has run out. My friends and my loved ones, I'll leave, there's no doubt. But there's one thing for certain when it comes my time. I'll leave this old world with a satisfied mind. Now, one of the reasons I chose this song is because I believe it is more relevant today than it's ever been. We live in a time and place where a lot of people are unhappy. More and more people are depressed and lonely. Uh, From 1999 to 2010, the suicide rate among Americans ages 35 to 64 increased nearly 30%. The largest increase was among men in their 50s with rates rising nearly 50%. And so America is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. It is the land of opportunity. We enjoy many luxuries that, that lots of people only dream about. And yet, we struggle with being happy. Many of us are seeking satisfaction, and we've yet to find it. Why are we depressed? Why are we unhappy? Why do suicide rates continue to rise? Well, there's more than just one answer. And there are many factors that one must consider. But I believe a big reason for our lack of satisfaction is that we are seeking after the wrong things. And so there are lots of people who believe that wealth and fame is going to solve all of their problems. And so they make becoming rich and famous their ultimate goal. It's their number one priority. The problem with that is that most people are not going to become rich and famous. And those who do discover that it does not lead to happiness. There are things in life more important than wealth. And this song seeks to remind us of that. Life is hard. It's difficult. You know, when you're a child, all you want to do is grow up. But then once you become an adult, it's not as easy as you imagine that it would be. There are lots of things that, that you need to know as an adult that they never taught you in school. We want to be content, but sometimes contentment is hard to find. And life is hard as it is, but there are times when we make it even more difficult on ourselves. And I believe that this song expresses um, one of the things that we often do that makes our life harder. If we're not careful, we will start to compare our life to the lives of others. And so we look at our house compared to our neighbor's house. Or we look at our car and we compare it to our co-worker's car. Then we start to think that, that, you know, our life would be much easier if we just had the right car or the right house or the right job. And we can even do this with our spouse or with our kids. We look at our neighbor and we think that they have it all together. And we start to believe the key to happiness is having whatever our neighbor has. And actually, social media makes this even worse because people present a picture of themselves online 
and that picture doesn't tell the whole story. And people begin to think, you know, they have it all together, and they see all these wonderful, nice pictures, but they don't see the other pictures. You know, the Ten Commandments are more than a list of rules. They are instructions for how to live life. And if we think that, that life is hard, then the first place we might ought to look is at the Ten Commandments to make sure that we're following them to the best of our ability. When we think of the Ten Commandments, we usually probably think of commands like, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not murder, or you shall not steal. We think of these big commands, and obviously the one about God is the first command. It is a command that, that sets Jews and Christians apart from all other religions. The laws against murder and stealing are foundational laws that, that every society must have. But of course, there are other commands besides these. And I want us this morning to focus a little bit on this last command. It's found in Exodus 20 and verse 17. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And this command may sometimes go overlooked because it's longer than the others. It's not short and to the point, kind of like do not murder, do not steal. It also contains the word covet, a word that we're, we don't use very often. And so if you're teaching this command to children or maybe someone who hasn't grown up going to church, then you may have to explain what it means to covet another person's things. I really like how this verse is translated in the message. It says, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. And I think that last sentence kind of sums up the command very nicely. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. Don't go after what you cannot have. And this is one of the biggest reasons that people are not satisfied. They're, they're striving after what is not theirs. And this leads to one of two things. Either people feel miserable because they cannot get what they want, or it leads to strife because people try to take what does not belong to them. James comments on this in James 4, 1 and 2, where he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We often are not satisfied because we're grasping for the wrong things. We are following our passions and desires, and the end result is not contentment. Instead, we're stressed, we're worried, we're in competition for, for things that do not matter. And this is the world that we live in. The world keeps telling us that we need more and more and more. And we're persuaded that we need the latest and the greatest to be happy. The phone that we bought a year ago is not good enough. The shirt that we bought six months ago is no longer in style. And the world wants us to believe that things are going to make us happy. 
But Jesus comes along and he teaches us another way. Like the song, Jesus teaches us that money and possessions are not the key to happiness. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now this teaching begins with an important question. Jesus asks, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. What is life? What makes life meaningful? What leads to contentment and fulfillment? You know, if we slow down long enough to meditate on these questions, we might discover that our life needs to be going in a different direction. Because life is not about the house we live in or the car we drive. It's not about the size of our TV or or how big our closet is and how many clothes that we own. Life is deeper than all these things. And if we're aiming for, for these things instead of what makes life meaningful, then we're going to be miserable. What we need to be seeking are things that feed our soul. Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. C.S. Lewis put it this way, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. You know, if we seek after the wrong thing, then we're never going to be satisfied. But if we seek after the things of God, then we'll be blessed beyond our imagination. With Jesus in our life, we may not have all the physical blessings that we desire on earth, but what we will have is a satisfied mind. We will be content no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, and that is worth more than all the gold in the world. Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the last verse in the song reminds us that our life on earth is not permanent. 
When life has ended, my time has run out, my friends and my loved ones, I'll leave, there's no doubt. But there's one thing for certain, when it comes my time, I'll leave this old world with a satisfied mind. The way that we live our life will show itself in the end. And we will either be discontent because we are full of regret or maybe uncertain about our future, or we will be satisfied because we know that we have put the kingdom of God first in our life and that we are looking forward to being with Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you at? Are you satisfied with your life? Are you content? If not, then maybe it's time to make a change. Maybe your life needs to go in a different direction. Maybe you're not satisfied because you're seeking after worldly things. And you need to start paying attention to the spiritual things. If you're here this morning and and, uh, need to commit your life to Christ because you've never done that, to be baptized for the mission of your sins, we'd love to help you with that. Or if you're here and maybe you just need the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ and their encouragement, then won't you come now as we stand, as we sing.